Welcome to another episode of Caught Between a Tie and High Heels. I am your hostess, Jamie, and this is a question and answer podcast about being transgender and also hiding um, your transgenderism, um, basically not living who you truly know that you are, uh, and you still have to put up that front, whether it's for fear or um, other reasons, it's still hiding. Um, today I wanted to share the uh, something that I think every last one of us uh, who is, whether or not you've transitioned or not, um, is the the degrees of dressing and presenting. Um, for me, uh, what basically the point I'm getting to is it was a very black and white world for me. When I, um, I well, I knew a long time ago that I was trans. Um, and, you know, we all had the stash. I don't know how many times I've purged. Um, and, oh my gosh, I've thrown away so many dollars worth of wonderful clothing, uh, shoes. Uh, I am a bona fide shoe whore, I will tell you. And that's a completely different uh, podcast as well. Um, but it was always, you had that that you did in private. But if you were going to come out, if you, we all think about that time of when can I, I would really love to be able to function in public. And when that moment comes, it's got to be black or white. It can either be that you're going to be all male or you're going to present all female. There is no in between. And I was stuck in that little realm for a very long time. Um, it was either everything or nothing. And I denied myself a ton of stuff, um, which is why I purged uh, so many times. It was like I didn't deserve it. Um, I even got one point. It was so ridiculous that um, my mindset uh, ended up being that the uh, underwear was being cheated because it was not being put on a uh, natural cis woman's body. It ended up on my body. So that's how really, that's gender dysphoria for you. Um, but I mean, I was really caught up in all of that. And it wasn't until the mid mid to late, I'd gotten out of the army and um, oh, my marriage was on the rocks and everything else. My uh, then wife knew, I had now knew, and I had, uh, you know, came out to her. Um, but I was seeking therapy for the very first time. I never talked to anybody. Now this is for 30, oh my gosh, uh, almost 30 years that I have uh, not talked to someone about this. And so, yeah, I mean, this was really huge, uh, for me. Um, so no, I was in my late twenties. What am I thinking? Thirties. So I was in my late 20s, so it wasn't as bad. But I knew that I had been uh, transgender from birth, basically. Uh, but I never said anything to anyone. This is the first time I was speaking about it. And my therapist, um, uh, God lover, Elaine, was just absolutely wonderful. Um, she said, well, what about that gray area? Why are you denying yourself that gray area? You don't have to necessarily come all the way out. You can allow yourself a little bit of pleasure and or to be able to um, express yourself secretly in ways that and and I really I'm sure we have all like, you know, worn 
feminine items underneath our clothing if you're transitioning from male to female or the other way around. Um, but I never really thought about it on a regular basis, like to make it part of my life. And so at that point, when she said, well, what about that gray area? That was really scary for me. Um, because again, it had to be all or nothing. Um, I was either going to live as a man or I was going to live as a woman. There was nothing in between. And um, that's a really dangerous way of thinking, I later found out. But uh, once I started developing a little bit of, uh, well, curiosity for that gray area, that's when I started to um, play around with things. I started, I started to be able to allow myself some feminine ways of expressing myself without being completely out there. And it was just basically, you know, testing your waters, like putting your toe in the in the pool to see how cold it is or what your reaction is going to be. That's exactly what it was for me. Um, and I started getting good at it. And I also developed like all of the um, barriers, uh, the, the mustache. I, I grew facial hair back and forth. I was constantly always playing around with it. Um, I put on a lot of weight, uh, just for the fact that, you know, no one's going to think that a, you know, pot bellied man is a uh, middle-aged man is going to end up going to be transgender. Um, I gave that complete sense of malehood and I used those as barriers for people not to know. And I did, I believe I played the part very well. Um, <laughs> but I did start to allow myself those little, uh, those little treats. And so I ended up, there was about five things that I wanted to share with you in this podcast of things that I found that were, uh, you know, you put so much into it and you have so much thought into it when sometimes it just doesn't even matter. Um, for instance, my facial hair. So, uh, long story short, I had a very horrible, a porn stash, for lack of a better word. Um, it was terrible. It was, uh, I tried to brush it. I tried to groom it in order for it to be like this, like little mini Magnum PI type of thing. Tom Selleck has like the best mustache ever. Uh, mine was nowhere near that. Uh, picture, if you will, a furry caterpillar. Okay. Get that image. Now, just imagine if that furry caterpillar came up on someone's lip and just sort of stuck itself there. My, my, my mustache hair literally would go everywhere. It wouldn't lay down. It would just like go everywhere. And I tried for the longest time when I was in the military and it was just, just terrible, but I kept it going. Um, even after I got out of the army, I just grew it more. And, you know, there was times with the, 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 the rough beard and the, the goatee type of thing, which is basically nothing more than an armpit with teeth. But I did it all in order to be able to cover up my femininity. And um, it was a really major barrier. I had not seen my upper lip probably for quite some time. Um, and it was a, a situation that took a lot for me to be able to shave it. But then once I shaved it, it was nothing. Nobody, nobody automatically started pointing at me and said, oh my God, you're transgender. It was just like, okay, I shaved my mustache. And I had put all this thought into it and all this hope and, and everything else behind this barrier, and it was nothing. Um, yeah, it was pretty weird. 
Um, another one uh, was growing my hair out. Um, and so I was born with a military haircut. I literally came out of the womb with a, like a high and tight on a baby. And I've always had the fade where it, I, I comes off the collar and uh, fades up uh, around the ears, you know, and everything. And even when I was in the military, I mean, I was shaven bald and I had to earn back my hair. Um, so I went through a lot of stuff with my hair. And I have always been very, very jealous, very envious of women who have long hair. And so I finally, uh, after my divorce, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to grow it. I don't care. Just, I'm going to grow it. And so within the next four years, I grew out my hair. And it's hard because you want so bad in order to take a curling iron to it or have the wavy locks, you know, that uh, that you see girls walking down the street with. And, um, yeah, you just, <laughs> that's, you have to watch yourself. And, and also one of the hardest things is the growth process. Um, I like to call it the last temptation of femininity. Um, it's kind of, um, I've grown out my hair twice now. Um, I ended up cutting it the first time for a job and then I got rid of that job. And now I'm in a, I was in another job before now, uh, where I could grow my hair back out. So I've done this twice now and it has that last temptation of femininity is basically when you're still presenting as male. Okay. And you're growing your hair out and it's to the length to where it flops in your face all the time. It won't stay back. It's too short for a ponytail. You've got to either slick it down or wear a cap all the time, which is what I opted to do. I wore a baseball cap. Um, I think the second time I wore a neckerchief over my head quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so you're going to do all these things. And if you can handle that, if you can handle it in order to be able to make it through that, then you're clear sailing from there. Once you get your long hair, you can pull it back in a ponytail. You can get, if you're still presenting male, you can do the man bun. Um, and it was all, you know, those are all great. It was no problem. Um, but, it, yeah, getting through that one little stage, I mean, I really, I likened it to, um, you know, <laughs> applying your makeup. And, you know, if you can get through the fact of being able to apply your makeup without stabbing yourself in the eye or making yourself look like Bozo the Clown, and you can get past that stage to where you're a little bit more comfortable with it. You're not stabbing yourself in the face. You're not shaking. Oh, my God, for the longest time. Who who can apply eyeliner with a shaking hand? Because you're so nervous about putting it. Nobody's around. But you're still shaking while you're putting your eyeliner on. Um, so, yeah, if you can get past that stage, you're good. Same thing with your hair. Um, oh, my gosh. The next one that I was thinking, uh, shaving your legs. Um, this was something that I did for the longest time and, oh, I suffered so bad because I put all this thought into it. Once again, it's a buildup. When you are, um, transitioning again, you don't want those, those key things. You think that anything, you become so paranoid. Um, and I'm sure I can't be the only one who feels this way. Uh, that you just you get so paranoid in life that you're wondering if anybody is going to take anything that you do to be feminine. So you're constantly watching every single move that you do 
to where it doesn't make make sure it doesn't look like it would be feminine. It it's farthest away from being um a, a, something a female would do, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And shaving your legs was definitely one of those for me because I am as a male, um I was a furry bastard. I just oh it was terrible. I was a fur bearing mammal, um and it was it was bad uh pretty thick and so when i shaved my legs you definitely could tell a difference um and i say back when i was male i mean uh, when i was um not taking hormones now that i'm taking hormones uh if any of you have been taking them uh you know that your hair growth recedes a whole lot um and it's uh, thinned out quite nicely on my legs which is wonderful um but hey 15 20 years ago 25 years ago I <laughs> um, was really nervous about it because I thought that as soon as I let them be seen, my legs be seen, first of all, they're like without hair, they're really bright white. I do not tan. I burn, I peel, and I go back to being pale white again. Um, so <laughs> somebody's going to notice. Someone's going to point it out. Somebody's going to say something. And so for the longest time, I would shave my legs and I would always wear long pants if I was going to do it. And I also sweat terribly. So this means if I wanted to shave my legs in the summertime, then I would have to wear jeans. I would have to wear sweatpants. And I would sweat myself to death for the glory of having shaven legs. And it was only until... um. I think probably I was in the <laughs> the last five years of my marriage. Um, the, the poop had really hit the fan, and we were already on our way uh, apart from one another. Just neither one of us wanted to admit it. Um, but I started to just wear shorts because I thought, well, you know, whatever. It, it, at this point, I'm going to lose my family because of this. Um, I need. To, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just do it. Not a single person batted an eye. No one questioned me. No one looked at me. No one said, hey, great legs. Nothing. All this build up for not a single response. I and, Well, I take that back. I did have one response where a, a coworker of mine, I was at a baseball game, and a coworker of mine, uh, we were in a, a, a box, uh, a business suite, and we were watching the game, and she, she was sitting next to me, and she's a very dear friend. Uh, who I have now come out to, um, and that was very shocking to her. Uh, but she's very supportive. So, uh, again, I am very blessed to have these wonderful people in my life. Um, but she was like, she noticed, she looked at my legs, looked back at me, looked at my legs again, looked back at me, and was making like this over gesture of looking at the legs and then looking back at me like almost a snap of her head and then looking back in her in surprise and leaning forward you know the whole thing but she never said anything not one single solitary word no one has said anything so i literally again you put a lot of these things these are all little treats that you could give yourself without transitioning and again you're you're living in that gray area which I have come to love, and it has allowed me to survive for um, a good number of years, a couple of decades, actually. Um, so, yeah, nobody cares whether or not you shave your legs or not. Um, 
which was really weird. Um, okay, so the next one that I'm thinking of, um, <laughs> I can only speak for myself because also I am a huge lover of hosiery. I don't know if anybody else is, but I know a lot of trans girls, one of the nice things is to be able to wear hosiery, pantyhose, thigh-high stockings, that type of thing. We, we, I think we all love a good lingerie, but I'm, I'm really obsessed with hosiery. I have a whole thing, and again, we can break that down in another uh, podcast. Um, it'll take that long, trust me. Um, but one of the things that I also ended up finding out was is that you could wear pantyhose under clothing. So during the winter time, I've got these shaven legs. Why not make them look nice for me? And I could wear jeans over top of them. No one's going to know. I started wearing them everywhere. And I, I was really surprised. I was like, man, nobody knows. I know, which is all that matters. Um, and nothing, nothing ever. I mean, well, of course I did wear like knee-high socks, tube socks back in those days uh, in order to make sure that my socks didn't fall down around my ankles so you could see that I was wearing, like, nude hose. Um, yeah, it was weird. Or suntan hose um, or taupe. Oh, my God, taupe was a favorite color of mine for a while. Um, but, yeah, so it was it was an, yet another treat. Now, this led into also uh, another treat. Well, I thought if I could do this under my clothes, something else I could do was paint my toenails and I love color I am all about color love it love it love it um, and especially love getting a pedicure um, huge fan of getting a pedicure and but um, when I in my earlier days when I first started you know crossing crossing the line over into that gray area um, I would polish my nails well I found out the hard way you really got to take some time and let your polish dry before putting on a pair of pantyhose. So I did my nails. Um, I thought that they were dry. I ended up putting on some hose and my jeans, socks, the whole nine yards. So my little tootsies are cooking underneath there. And um, when I got home, the color had bled into my white socks uh, and also hardened around the pantyhose uh the the toe part had you know pushed onto your nails and it had pretty much seized there uh it got locked into it and it had dried in my toenail polish nail polish so i had to like you know nail polish remover it off of mine uh to just to get my the hose off um which i thought was really okay Good note to self, don't freshly polish nails, go without the hose. That would probably be, and but it would have been, you've got to give some time. So it would have been disastrous for me if I were to put, you know, socks on as well. But I just thought, oh man, that was really a, uh, a traumatic lesson. So, but it did not deter me. I kept uh, painting my nails and I kept um, wearing hose. So there you go. You just got to learn how to do it. Uh, and the timing is all is very crucial, all about the timing. Um, so our fifth thing that I really treated myself to, not once, but twice, was ear piercing. Um, I thought that, oh, if I got ears pierced, um, people are, again, everyone's going to know. So here I am. I've got a shaven face, so no facial hair. 
I have long hair, and now I'm going to pierce my ears. Somebody is going to say something. I, it's bound to happen. But I said, you know what? I'm Again, I, I was at the point of getting a divorce, so I'm like, you know, screw it. This is just, we're going to do it. And so I went to, where, oh, where did I? I think it was Claire's, um, you know, at the mall. And so they, but I get, I kept being told by friends that, you know, again, I was taking the male approach. So I'm getting the male point of view. Males who have never gotten their ears pierced at all. Oh, oh, it hurts. I mean, it's going to hurt. When you do it, it's going to hurt. And so you better, you better, you know, it's if you're willing to do it, yeah, you know, because the sports uh, teams are doing it. You know, you see athletes with double ears pierced, and okay, yeah, yeah, you could do it, but it's gonna hurt. I get into Claire's, and all I hear, she marks me up and everything else, and she's ready to put it in, and I hear the click. I was, and she pulls away, and she starts working on the gun again, taking her eyes off my ear, and I was like, "Was that it?" And she was like, "Yeah, it's in." And I touch my ear, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's like it didn't feel anything. Now, the second time that I got my ears pierced, um, my child, uh, she wanted to go get her ears pierced. And I'm very supportive. And I was like, look, and she was scared, a little nervous, not scared, a little nervous. So I said, babe, here's the thing. What I will do is I will get my ears pierced a second time if you get your ears pierced the first time. And she was like, okay, so back to clear as we go. And I'm like, this is nothing, no problem. So they line it all up on me and everything else. Now I'm a little higher on my ear, okay? So I'm a little higher than the earlobe. And I hear the click. There's a little bit of a sting. And I'm like, hmm, well, okay. I can see where that's painful. And I told the lady, I said, maybe there's something wrong because this stings a little bit. She goes, oh, because you're going up on your ear on the cartilage, it, it hurts more when it pops through the cartilage. I'm like, oh, okay. So that made sense to me. But again, the worry and concern overall was that somebody was going to clock me or out me as being transgender or that I looked too girly or feminine. And yeah, nothing. Nobody said a single thing. I wore, I have been actually wearing, I think I wore, once I got my ears pierced, I never took them out. <laughs> it was terrible. I um, I wanted to make sure the healing process was good. And so I went the extra mile uh, in order to be able to let them stay in, which I figured was a good four or five years. I, I literally would clean around them all the time with hydrogen peroxide, but I never took them out. I would shower the whole nine yards, um, which I now realize is bad. I know you're probably yelling at me. You shouldn't be doing that, but I did it. And I did it again with my second uh, pair because they hurt more. And my one ear did get infected that time. Um, but I was damned and determined uh, uh, that I was going to keep that second pair. I was not going to give up on it. And uh, so, yeah, I got it. And I never took them out. And so now I still run into the habit. My wife has to tell me to take my earrings out because I will put them in. But then I will go to bed with them on. And I'll wake up with a backing underneath me or something like that or stuck to my arm or something because I've been laying on it. Um, but, yeah, so. Um, but those are five little things. I don't know whether or not you uh, – I would love to hear if you're living in the gray area. Um, 
or if you've experienced that black and white, I don't think that I'm the only person that would uh, think that way, um, that it was an all or nothing situation. If I couldn't dress this way, the way I really wanted to, well, then I had to be all male, you know. Um, besides these five, these are the original ones. I mean, besides that, oh my gosh, now I've even colored my hair. Um, I, my, I've got my eyebrows done on a regular basis. So there's a lot of stuff that I've actually continued to do in that gray area while still presenting as male. I will say, um, I have been mammed a few times, which I don't know if anybody else has had that happen to them while still presenting male, but you're, you're in that gray area. I have I have been mammed a couple of times and I'm not going to lie it feels fantastic. I absolutely love it. It's only when they come up to me closer um that they see or in my voice I try not to feminize my voice. I only do this voice that you're hearing here. Um I only get a chance to work on it when I am with friends and uh, since I'm kind of bound to the house, taking care of my mother all the time, um, I don't get to practice as much. So this is another reason why I'm doing the podcast. But it does feel good when you get mammed. Um, and I they don't say anything about it when they realize that I am a male. I'm presenting to them as a male. But I have colored hair. I've got uh, an oil slick, a hidden oil slick in the back. Um, so I feel pretty hip. Uh, whether or not I am or not, I really don't care. Uh, but I do do that. Um, I do get my eyebrows done on a regular basis, like I said. Um, so yeah, so I'm trying to do a, a little bit more and it's all for me. It's that little, um, those little treats for me. Uh, I don't feel that I can, I, I have a lot of reason or not a lot, but I have a couple of extraordinary reasons why I cannot dress right now and why it cannot be me. I'm ready to do a name change. I'm all about it, but uh, the timing is just not right in my life, but it will be. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, but until then I start giving myself and living a little bit deeper into that gray area and um, it's been pretty awesome. I've enjoyed it quite a bit, so I'd be really interested to hear again, um, anybody living in that gray area, anybody having trouble, like little tips that they've learned that they could do or get away with. And no one has said anything, even though you've thought that as soon as you walked out of the house, 15 people are going to pop out of the bush and go, you're trans, um, <laughs> which never, of course, happens, but it's in our mind that it will. Um, and it's that, that paranoia and fear, which I think the next uh, podcast, we are going to talk about that uh, in a great deal. So I'll make sure to have my tissues ready for that one. Um, but yeah, if you uh, have any comments, questions, or anything else, I would like to be able to answer any questions you might have about my experiences. Um, if you have like experiences, please share them. You can always email me at questions at tieandhighheels.com. You can go to my website at tieandhighheels.com. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Tyne High Heels. So would love to hear from you. And I look forward for you, uh, our next episode when we can talk about more stuff. All right, until then, take care. Mm -hmm.